Um, if you turn over to John chapter 11, John chapter 11, praise the Lord, John chapter 11, we're just going to read the first four verses, so when you just turn over to John 11, if I could ask you please tonight to stand for the reading of God's word, John chapter 11 and the first four verses, once you're there, if you'd stand, once everyone's standing, this is the honour, the word of the Lord, honour his word tonight, and we'll stand and read it, amen, praise the Lord. Amen. John chapter 11. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is our prayer tonight that the Son of God would be glorified in this meeting tonight through the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would speak into every heart, Lord, in this place tonight. Lord, you know every heart, every individual that's here under the sound of your word tonight, we pray. Oh God, you know every need and every life. Lord, you know, and Lord, you know every thought. Lord, you hear every cry. Lord, we thank you that you are touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. We thank you that you do remember that we are but dust. But Lord, you breathe life into these vessels. And we pray tonight, Lord, Lord, that you would speak to us afresh, Lord. Lord, it truly would be a, a word in season to lives in this room. You'd bring the revelation, Lord, through your word, how you deal with us and how you work with us. And Lord, that you're for us and you're not against us. Oh God, tonight we just pray that you'd have your way in this house, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, for the privilege of being here. Thanking you, Lord, for the liberty that we have. Thanking you, Lord, tonight for that precious blood again. So, Lord, in everything we give you the glory and the praise tonight, for it all belongs to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may take your seats tonight. I'm going to share just a word the Lord has put on my heart for this, this evening's service. And it's entitled God's divine delays God's divine delays you know as believers as Christians uh, following the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved and what a privilege that is and to know him as your Lord and Savior and to follow him to live this life as a as a pilgrim as it were in this world and and this life on, of, of faith and, and just following the shepherd and hearing his voice, how he leads us, how he speaks to us, how he deals with us, and how he brings us through the valleys and over the mountain tops. And he's with us through every storm and every trial. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's promised that he would be with us right to the very end. And he's a He's one that sticks closer even than a brother. He's a wonderful Savior. He is our good shepherd. And in this life, as we live this life for him and we walk individually, our individual walks that we have with him, you know, in that Christian experience, you'll come in times, many times in your walk, you'll experience what we would understand to be a delay. That is from the time when we have prayed or sought the Lord 
are requested of the Lord until the time is fruition that we will experience a delay. And what it's important to know from God's perspective, there is no delays because he's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. But from our perspective and living this life, we see them as delays. But in his perspective, there is no delays. You know, the song says that he was four days late, but he was right on time. He's never late. He's always on time. That is perfect. We know that God is in complete control and his timing is always perfect. And you know, you might be in this room tonight and you find yourself in a time where you seem to be experiencing a divine delay. What you've required or what you've requested or what you've been praying for and the fruition of that has not come. A promise, a calling, a loved one perhaps that we've been praying for that's not come into the kingdom as such as this time or a healing in your body or in your mind or a provision of God, uh, whether it be in our homes or whether it is for the church, we're experiencing a time of a divine delay. We're waiting for that promise that God has given to be fulfilled. And we experience a period of time that we all go through, that we all experience, where it seems as though there has been a delay with the Lord. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible tells us there that the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end... It shall speak Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3, and it will not lie. Though it tarry, the Bible says that we're to wait for it. There's a time of waiting for that vision that's been appointed. It will speak, but then we're told here in Scripture that we're to wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So our instruction in the time of the divine delay is that we have to learn something that if we're honest, I'll certainly be honest with you, that we're not particularly great at, and that is to wait upon the Lord. But that waiting is so important for the believer. The waiting on God is absolutely crucial for us to learn in our Christian walk. What happens in the waiting Listen carefully, what happens in the time or the period of the waiting is nearly as important or more important as when the answer actually comes. And I want to say that again because this is so important. What happens in the period of time of waiting, of waiting, the divine delay of waiting is nearly as, if not more important, as when the answer finally does come. Because God works in the delay. God works in the divine delay. From the beginning of your need, whatever that may be tonight, you're in this place. God knows your heart. He knows the desire that is within that heart. He knows the need that 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 we're talking about tonight. He knows the intimate detail of the beginning and where the end is. But you find yourself somewhere in the middle of all of this. Your answer may come by the night is over, but it may not. But you know in your heart you're, what you're longing for, what you're desiring, what you're believing God for, and you find yourself in this place of this currently experiencing this delay. But never forget one thing about your delay. And this is important. 
Your delay is a divine delay. It's not just a delay. It's a divine delay. And that's important for us. Now, here's a couple of things I want you to know. And may the Word of God, may it soak into our spirits. And we hear this tonight, not just read it. But in Psalm chapter 84 and verse 11, there are some people in this room tonight really need to hear these verses. And they need these verses need to penetrate beyond just our intellect, but into our hearts tonight. And actually what I believe that if by faith we lay hold of these verses, there are actual strongholds that have been created in minds that are in this room tonight. And by the word of God, those strongholds are going to be broken. Because the enemy in the delay is at work in people's minds and people's hearts. The enemy works very subtly in the time of the delay. But in Psalm 84, I want you to hear this verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. I want you to hear this. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now I want you to hear this tonight, those that are in this divine delay. God is not holding anything back. God is in control of your life. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a, has a great desire for you. God is working. God is moving. God is sovereign over your life, but he's not holding anything back. No good thing will he hold back from you as God is working through you. You know, this next verse is very well known. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, it tells us there, Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know, God says, for I know, this is what God, you can take this personal tonight if you're saved in this room. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. There's thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So I want you to listen carefully. You find yourself in a divine delay. You're perhaps waiting on that healing, that breakthrough, that provision, that lost son, that lost daughter. The divine delay comes and there's something then begins to work in that delay. But what I must know, and what you must know, that there's nothing, no good thing, is God withholding from his children. We know that he's thinking. He hasn't forgotten us. I want you to hear this tonight. And this is for someone that just felt very pressed about this. But God has not forgotten you. Listen, saint of God or child of God, that you're in that place of the divine delay. God has not forgotten you. You might think that, Tim, that's just simple. But I want to tell you the power of the enemy and the power of his lies and his thoughts and his doubts and his fears that can come. And we give place to that enemy. The Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices but friends, sometimes we get place to those thoughts that come in and they lodge in our mind. Then there is a, a created place of a mindset. Then it becomes a stronghold. And we're constantly feeding on the lies of the enemy. But I'm here to tell you tonight, friends, God's thinking good thoughts towards you. God's not holding any good thing back from your life. And tonight God is coming and God wants to break the stronghold in that mind to know in your heart of hearts that God's in control of your life, that God has a plan for your life, that God has not forgotten you. With the delay, the delay serves them 
as one of the great tools or lessons in the schooling of those that are sheep. This is one of the great works of God in our lives. I thank God for the work of God. I thank God for the grace of God. I thank God that he doesn't throw the clay away. I thank God that he's patient. He's long-suffering with me. And he takes time to work a work in me that I cannot do myself. But all he's asking for us is to yield that life to him. And he begins to do a work. And he's going to make something beautiful out of your life. What is it? He's going to conform us all to the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. That's the desire of our hearts. We want to be like Jesus. In the divine delay, this is one of the great schoolings of God's children and God doing a work of grace in our lives and our hearts. And most importantly, most importantly, a work in the divine delay in our character. And this is crucial. The character of a man is more important than the talent of the man. The character of the man is more important than the gift that the man has. The character is the integrity which a man will serve God. And this is crucial for us to understand. Character is more important than your call. Because your call will fail. Our call will fail if our character is not molded and fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friends, you must listen because today it's all focused on the gift or the talent. But Christ is more important than the fruit of that life. That there's the fruit of the Holy Ghost. That our character, that we are like Jesus, is more important than how great our talents are. We might pray like Daniel. We might preach like Paul. We may play like David. But God is looking the character to mold us and fashion us into the image of his dear son to make us ready for the purpose and the call of God in all of our lives. God has a call in this room tonight. Brothers and sisters, I say this honestly, but there is tremendous potential in God and all those that are gathered in this room. God has a great plan in these days. God wants to work that work. There are callings, there are giftings that God has placed in this body tonight. And they're beyond these four walls. And they're beyond Balanahinch. I know that. But God is molding a people. He's bringing forth a remnant. And he's dealing with their character. Because when he makes them that man or woman like he did with Peter, there comes a time where you can stand on the streets. And he can trust you with the power of his Holy Ghost and thousands can be saved but God had to deal with the man he had to deal with his heart he had to deal with his great words and his great boasting God had to bring him to a place that it is not I but it is Christ in me the worst thing we can do of course in the time of delay is to attempt to create something ourselves. And don't think for a second that this is anything new because we've all done it. Well, certainly I have. In the time of waiting or the delay, we get good ideas, but they're not God's ideas. We have many opinions and people will come, even at times, and I could tell you many of people coming and giving their prophetic 
a revelation to your life to tell you what you should be doing. And you must test the spirits. You must know whether these things be of God. But friends, we must wait on the Lord for the Lord to lead the way. The gift will make way for itself. If we look at this great man of faith, Abraham, at the age of 70, he's called by God. God called him. Do you know God still calls men and women? God still speaks. God still calls. And Abraham responds to that call. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 12, just for a moment, those first three verses. Here at the age of 75, God is going to make Abraham a promise. He's going to give him a promise. And there's going to be a divine delay. But God's going to fulfill his word. In Genesis 12 and 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not powerful. God makes a promise, gives a promise to Abraham. He's 75 years old and God is speaking to this man. He has called him out and now he gives him his word. We know the story well. There's a 25-year period here of, from our perspective, from Abraham's perspective, of a divine delay. We know the story very well. At 86, We see that Ishmael is born. We see here as the great father of the faith that in some way or another between Sarah and himself and the maid and everything else that they felt a good idea would be to try and bring forth something ourselves to make the word of God be fulfilled. That's the worst thing we can do. And yet we're so prone to doing it. We know that God has given him a promise. We know that God has given him his covenant. And God would fulfill his word. But somehow or another, between Abraham and Sarah and and Hagar, they come together with a great plan to bring forth something of themselves. And that was an Ishmael. But yet in it all, Abraham believed God. At 100 years old, In Genesis chapter 21, if you turn over, we see the faithfulness of God. How many people know that God's faithful? But there are divine delays, and they're crucial for us as believers. Genesis 21 and verse 1, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in her old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, listen to what she said, God hath made me to laugh. So that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Isn't it awesome? 
We serve an awesome God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And here we see the fulfillment of that promise. But you remember this. That's 25 years. I want to ask you tonight, how long have you been waiting? How long have you been praying? How long have you been seeking? How long is it that you've got before the Lord and you know that He's called you? You know that He's purposed a plan for your life. You know that you're believing for a healing in your body. You know you're believing for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's a vision, a tarry, but the Bible says to wait for it because it's going to come. And we've been praying and we've been seeking and the purposes of God. We have heard from the Lord. We have stirred. That stirring has come in our hearts, the calling of God, even upon a life. And you're just waiting for the door to open. And time is passing and sometimes we feel, I wonder how we missed it. Did we hear God right? But I want to tell you, there's a set time in God. Look what happened. I want to show you something, Hebrews chapter 6, so you understand in those 25 years how God was dealing and how Abraham responded to his word. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13. It says these words, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That is absolutely awesome. If we take a moment to consider and to think about that, God could find no one greater than himself. I'm here to tell you there's no one greater than Jesus. There's no one greater than Jesus. And because he found no one greater than himself, he says, I'll make a promise, but I'll swear by myself. That's the promises of God. That's what we stand upon tonight. These are the exceeding great and precious promises that we're talking about this morning. God has sworn by himself. When God has put the calling of God in your life and the gift of God in your life, He's put that there by Himself and it is God that will fulfill it and it is God that will purpose it and it is God that will bring it forth at His set time because He's God. He's God. And it says there in verse 14, saying, Surely, surely blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee, And there's verse 15. I want you to hear this very carefully tonight, those that are in the divine delay. And so after he had patiently endured. And I want to stop with those two words tonight. And if I could take those two words out of this page and I could paint them on this wall, I just want you to stop for a moment and think of 25 years A 75-year-old man, he's on a journey. He's left everything. He does not know where he's going, but he knows what he's looking for. There's mistakes that are made. He goes to Egypt. He lies about his wife. There's many things in his character that you might look at and say, my goodness, but friends, we are so like him. We are so like them. And so we see this journey as he patiently God give us patience to endure. He patiently endured 25 years. Sometimes mistakes, sometimes failure. But always in that heart there was a faith to believe God that what God had promised, God is also able to perform. He patiently endured. Then what does it say after that? He obtained the promise. I want to tell you something we need to endure in these days. 
but we need to patiently endure. Verse 16 is a very powerful verse. He says, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. I want you to listen carefully because what often happens, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I can talk about me, but what often happens in this time of the divine delay, that things can come in to cause us to be frustrated as we wait, as we long, and we don't see the answer coming. Frustration can very easily enter in in the natural side of us that we can say, but God, you've said, but God, you've promised. You know, I'm praying for a big son tonight, believe in the Lord, and I know that God has brought us into this period, but I know that he's asking of us, this is a divine delay, but it's more about what God is doing in Nikki and I than what God in that day when he brings that boy home. But I know he will, but he's doing a work in our hearts. It's a crushing work. It's a heartbreaking work. But God is doing the work. It's a divine delay. But there's a set time. How am I encouraged by that? Because I can look into this meeting tonight and I can see prodigals, daughters and prodigal sons that are sitting in this house and God brings them home. And so we see here that God, for men swirly, Verily swear by the greater. In other words, if there was a dispute in this house between me, for example, between me and James, and James had, let me say, let me say, James had borrowed a saw of mine and he didn't bring it back, and there's a dispute between us. And we want to get this sort of out because there's a strife between us. And so I would go to James and I would say, James, listen, you have my saw. And he's, well, I don't know where it is. I've lost it. But what I'll do, I'll give you my word, Tim. And this is very just simple for us to understand. I'll give you my word, Tim. What I'll do is I'll go and buy you a new saw. I'll give you my word. And then on the basis of that, the dispute is gone. There's no more strife between James and me because James is going to go and he's an honorable man. He's an upright man. He's going to go and buy me a saw so the strife is gone because I accept his word. This is what it says, something so much greater than this. For men verily swear by the greater, but God could swear by no one greater but himself. He couldn't find anybody greater than himself. So what he did, he made a promise. He swore by himself and he said to us, then we need to leave all strife and we need to trust the promises of God because what he said, he will also do. What he's called you to, he will perform it in his time. And it says in verse 17, we're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability. I love that word. Webster just describes it as not capable of change. God never changes. Are you glad that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Are you glad that he's a faithful God? Are you glad that his compassions do not fail? Are you glad that his mercies are new every morning? What a savior we have. The immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by a promise. The promise of his word. God, I want you to listen. God is at work in your divine delay. I want you to hear me tonight. This is so important because you might think nothing's happening. 
You might look out and it might look as bleak and as dark and as miserable as a Sunday night in Balnehenge. But I want to I want to tell you something. God's working. God is working. He's working in the delay. God's doing something. You may not see it. You may not feel it. But I want to tell you, God is working in your divine delay. The first thing I want you to know that he's working for us. God's working for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says these words. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What happens in the divine delay, often the distractions come in order that our eyes will be focused on that which is the temporal and not that which is the eternal. We begin to lose sight. We begin to lose focus. And once we do that, then that's when we begin to panic or we begin to turn into the flesh. But God is working for us. The second thing is that God is working in you. Philippians 2 and verse 12 it says these words, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, do everything without murmuring and without disputes. God's working in us. In the divine delay, God begins to do a work. The word divine simply means God-like. The delay is a God-like thing. God's working in the delay. What's it essential for? Working in us. I want you to just note these few things about this delay. It's essential for us to grow as a believer. You know, God wants us to grow, doesn't he? Do you want to grow? How many people want to grow? There's no one, there's no one gets to the point where you stop growing. God, no matter what age you are or no matter how long you've been saved, God still wants us to grow. Do you want to grow in Christ? Do you want to leave that which is known as the, the milk and move on to the meat? And that's not understanding all the great doctrines of Scripture. That's knowing Christ. That I may know him and the part of his resurrection. I may know this Christ. Growth. Maturity. To mature as a believer. To leave the things which are childish. To leave those things behind, friends. That men become men and women become women. Women of God. Men of God. That we leave the things that are, that are the nursery stage. That are the childish things. But we mature. The divine delay is for the development of our character. The divine delay is for us to learn to trust Him. The divine delay is to learn to teach us to endure and to persevere. The divine delay is essential for us. Listen very carefully. Especially those that are being called into the ministry perhaps. 
But the most important thing about the divine delay is to teach us what it is to serve the body. To serve the body. Well, I want to be a big time preacher. I want to tell you, friends, we need to know what it is to serve the body. Well, I want to be a pastor. Well, friends, I pray that there be many that will come out from this place to pioneer works and plant churches across this land because that's what this land needs. But we must know what it is to serve the body. What it is to humble ourselves and to serve one another. What it is to get down onto our knees with a basin and wash one another's feet. What it is to love one another. What it is to care for. What it is to pray one for another. What it is to do the things that nobody else really wants to do. What it is to love the unlovely and the least that are among us. Not the greatest, but to bring in the least into our homes and to be given the hospitality. Friends, this is what the divine delay is about. To learn what it is to serve the body of Christ. We want to know what the great things are in the kingdom. We want to know what the great acts are in the kingdom. I want to tell you, friends, what they are. There's when we take the least among us and we bestow the most honor upon them. And we miss them if they're not here. They're important. He's teaching us what it is to serve. He's teaching us what it is to serve in the body. Not to be doing it to be seen because it's wasted anyway. There's no glory in that. You've received the glory if you do it to be seen. But what it is to humble ourselves and to serve, to serve in the body of Christ, to serve one another. These are essential. The divine delay is essential in maturing and growth and patience and trust and faith and rest and purpose that in everything what we are hoping and praying for that God would bring us to an end and God would manifest his power and his glory and that God would come in due time and he would answer. A divine delay has a greater, listen carefully, a greater eternal purpose than an instantaneous intervention. Would you hear that again? Especially in Pentecostal circles where we want the power and we want it now. But listen carefully. The divine delay has a greater eternal purpose than the instantaneous intervention. Oh, friends, I loved revival 15 years ago, but I have to say to you, I'm glad it didn't come. You might find that a strange thing to say, but I want to tell you, it probably would have been all over within a space of an hour because God has to mature us as a people, as a character, and God has to prepare us and make us ready for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Everybody wants a bit of it and everyone wants to create something. But God's saying, I'll give you it when all it's for is for my glory and for my name and nobody else. Well, I want it because I want to begin a ministry. I want to get myself here, there and everywhere. I want to tell you, friends, we're missing it all together. The divine delay might go on for a little bit longer until he works in us and works through us. We find out a lot about ourselves in the divine delay, don't we? Don't we find out a wee bit about ourselves? Do you find anything else? Because everyone's experiencing a divine delay. If you're not in one at the minute, you're going to experience one. But we do find out a couple of things. We find out an awful lot of things about who we are. But greater still, 
we find out an awful lot of things about who he is. That he is faithful. He is faithful. You see, in the manifestation of a delay, you find it in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. Here's a people that God had saved, delivered, brought out, brought through, destroyed their enemy, led them into the wilderness, and within a very short space of time, we read there, in verse 1 of Exodus 32, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, there's a delay, there's a divine delay. What happens? The people gathered themselves together on the iron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. You know what happened in the divine delay? It revealed everything of what was in their heart. They seen it for what it was. Moses comes down that mountain and finds them dancing naked around that golden calf. Could you believe it? That that could happen? A people whom he delivered? The divine delay will expose something. You see what can happen in delay? God exposed what was in that heart. Friends, if we're not careful in the delay, and trying to seek an answer or make it happen quicker, we could miss, listen, we could miss the greater glory that God has for our lives by settling for something much less. Listen, I want to say this again because it's important. We could miss the greater glory that God has by settling or creating something of ourselves. We could try to mimic something. We could try to create something. We could try to make it something. Let's try and create the atmosphere of 1859 or 1949 or 1904. Or let's try. Listen, friends, we don't need to try to create anything. We just need to get down before the Lord and break our hearts and say, God, we need you. But we could create something. We could promote something. We could make something happen. Not because we're not called, not because God has a purpose to call and the gift in our lives, but because we're trying to make it happen and not allow God to do it himself. What happens is what he seeks to do in the divine delay, we bypass all those vital lessons of growth, maturity, character, learning to trust, to teach us, to endure, to persevere, what it is to learn, to serve in the body. Friends, you may be sitting here tonight saying, my God, what am I doing here? I want to serve God. But God's doing a work in your heart to know what it is to serve in the body. Well, I don't like that class. I can remember going to secondary school and I looked at the list of subjects and I went, I'm going to none of them. I might go to music because we were just we were brought up in music. That's the only thing I really liked. I went and played Matuba, but everything else, don't give me maths, don't give me English, don't give me biology, don't give me chemistry. I liked a wee bit of CDT and a wee bit of PE, but that was it. I wanted to skip as many subjects as I possibly could because I didn't like them, but they were for my learning and for my development. That's why the grammar's not great. But God's not looking for us to get our grammar right or our credentials right from some college. God's looking for hearts that are saying, God, we're going to serve you. But Lord, you make us the men and the women that you want us to be. 
I'm willing to yield my heart. I'm willing to put my life on the potter's wheel. Lord, would you make me what you want me to be? Lord, I'm willing to serve in this body, but I'll only serve in the place that I want to serve. No, God, I'll serve in any capacity. I'll serve in any capacity. I'll dig holes, I'll fix roofs, I'll clear out bins. I don't really care what people think, but I'll do it. What does that mean? That that defines your character. It defines who you are. That you're willing that you're willing to get down and get into the dirt and the muck. What does that mean? It just means, friends, you're not so cur- you're not so concerned about what people think about you because you don't have a reputation. I'm too big for that. My calling is so much greater than that. Friends, I want to tell you, God's not looking for the great and mighty men of this hour. He's looking warriors and shepherd boys who know what it is to care for the flock. As this whole thing begins to crumble, the whole facade of all what we see today in religious circles, and I include the charismatic stroke Pentecostal, stroke evangelical church, all of what it's become, God's sifting that whole thing, and what he's going to bring forth are a people like David that have a heart after God. They're after God's own heart. They're not in it for a name. They're not in it for themselves. They're not in it for their own ministry. Friends, they're in it for the King of glory. You see, if we're not careful, we could miss the greater glory that He has for your life because we want the answer tonight. I want it now. I want to call and I want you to make way. I want you to step aside. I want you, I need to be here. It needs to be me. We're going to miss it, friends. Are you called? Absolutely. Have you a gift? 100%. Is God working in your life? Yes. But friends, have you gone through the vital lessons? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Is he developing a character which he always will because none of us are perfect. We are all being perfected to be like him. Are we trusting him more? Is he teaching us to endure? Are we persevering? Do we know what it is to serve in the body? Are we easily entreated? Are we easily won over? Is our character pliable? Are we open for instruction? Are we coming in? Are we judgmental of who's about us? Are we sitting pointing the finger? God says, put away the pointing of the finger. Who's your teacher? Your teacher's the Holy Ghost. He'll lead you and he'll guide you if you're in this word. And he'll do a work in your life that only he can do. Let the Holy Ghost do the work. I have enough going on in my life without trying to sort your life out. And you have enough in your life. If we're not careful, we could miss the greater glory. We could miss the greater glory because we want to create it ourselves. And I want to tell you something. Listen carefully. This country is filled with shipwrecks because men created it themselves. Listen carefully. 
They created it themselves. It's filled with shipwrecks. Tells us in our reading tonight that Jesus had said to the disciples, the sickness is not on the death. It's one of the great divine delays of the New Testament. We know it well. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. There was a purpose. God had a plan. But they believed that God's delay was his denial and that God's delay and somehow God had missed it. I want to tell you something. God's timing is perfect. Do you imagine if the word had a came, he's sick, whom the one whom you love is sick, surely. I mean, any of us in the natural, we get a call. The one whom you love is sick. We're into the car. We're there. We're there to see them, to pray for them, whatever it is. Jesus said, I'm going to wait. You see, if he had a came, how many people know that Jesus would have healed Lazarus instantly when he came? Anyone believe that? Why? Because that's who he is. And they would have experienced the glory of a wonderful healing. But he says, I'll wait a few days extra because they're going to see a greater glory. They're going to see a man raised from the grave. You see, there's a greater glory in the waiting and in the delay. There's something greater that God is able to do. Even when they found that he had lain in the grave for four days already, it was time for God to manifest his glory in their lives that they would believe. Oh God, we want a healing. Thank God he's able to heal. If you're waiting on a healing, I'm here to tell you tonight, our God is a healer. But in the divine delay, he does a work. And there's a greater glory when he brings it to pass. When we wait upon him. There's a greater glory in your life. You might be sitting here tonight saying, Tim, if only you knew how dead, how empty, how dry, how cold, how barren, how hopeless, how dry the word's been, how dry the prayer life has been, how dry it's been in my experience. I know God spoke to me. I love the Lord, but I'm just walking through this and it all seems mechanical. It doesn't seem as though there's any oil flowing, any life in it. I'm just going through the motions. I'm speaking to someone I know, but listen carefully. Listen to me tonight, friends. God's not forgotten you. I want, I want you to hear this, and you might say, well, that's, that sounds like a cheesy Christian cliche. I'm not honestly trying to be cheesy, but I want to tell you tonight, I'm saying this from God. God has not forgotten you. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. You're going through the classes. Some of them you may not like, but praise the Lord, he knows what we need. It may not always be the way we like it, but praise the Lord, we have a good shepherd. And he's given his life for the sheep and he's leading us on. And he's speaking. God's not holding anything back. No good thing will he withhold. But he's thinking great thoughts. He's a great plan. He's doing a great work. He's molding your character. And he's simply saying, see my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I love this bit. And I know them. And they follow 
mine. God will open when the time is right, when the character's ready. Let me tell you something. There's a greater glory for your life. There's a greater glory. Wait on the Lord. He patiently endured and he obtained. God is in control and God is working a great work in your life, in all our lives, for his glory. God's divine delays. Praise God for them. They're crucial. They're crucial for us as Christians and followers of Christ. God will do it. Don't create it. Let God do it. Let us yield our lives afresh to him tonight. Let's just give him our hearts. That's all he requires. Just yield that life afresh in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Amen.